So this week has been a little bit different. Uh, I've been out sick and it's just been hard to produce a show consistently like I like to do every week. Um, but it kind of gave us an opportunity to do something else. Uh, I'm going to go back into the vault to replay um, one of our favorite shows from last year. Um, it's actually the number one downloaded show we've ever had in the three and a half, four years we've been doing this. Um, this came out right at about a year ago. It was uh, December 3rd of last year, but it was episode 139. If we don't come out of the shadows, we will get locked in the shadows. And this is with a special guest that we had, uh, Raul Andrews Jr. Um, he is the executive director of the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. Um, so this was just a, a great episode that me and Mark uh, loved doing. It was about, you know, men's health. That That's a subject that he and I tackle regularly. Um, and we were due to do another, uh, serious show. Um, and just with me being sick and just unable to do perform the production duties that I hold myself to do, I decided to go back into the vault, uh, to play this show. Um, so if you're a newer listener and you, you haven't got to this catalog yet of this one, enjoy it now. Um, if you are a regular listener, which I hope you are, um, Listen to it again, because there might be something that you didn't catch the first time that you did, and it's one that uh, I'm really proud of that we did, and I hope everybody enjoys it, and hopefully you get something out of it. Um, so, without further ado, listen to episode 139 again. If we don't come out of the shadows, we will get locked in the shadows. What's up, everybody? Another episode of The Straight Cut coming to you from West End Cigars Inside the Members Lounge. I am Aaron. And this is Mark. Mark, this is a show that you and I have been looking forward to for yep. quite a while. We had some fun shows in the back one. This one's going to be fun, but this one's going to be more of a serious note that you and yeah. I kind of cut against the grain when it comes to cigar podcasting and everything. You know, we've yep. always said, like, our show is 40% cigar 60% bullshit. Tonight yeah. is going to be 40% cigar or less, 60% really technical, you know, personal stuff that, yeah. that you and I really gravitate towards. Yeah, we, we jokingly say we're the podcast that cries <laughs> um, because we talk about real issues yeah. and we talk about our emotions and we talk about what it is to deal with uh, serious mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have somebody who actually knows what they're talking about tonight. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited about this one. I've been excited about this one for a while um, because this is an issue that means a lot to both of us. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about these issues hard-nosed, yeah. sort of directly. Um, we do kind of cut against the edge. We have our fun, but this is something that, especially for men, that we believe a lot in. Yeah, definitely. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Uh, we have with us uh, a friend of a friend of ours who, you know, got us in contact with him. Uh, you know, I told him of a show that we, we wanted to. November is uh, Men's Mental Health Month. We, yep. we happened to get in right before the deadline, before the month ended. <laughs> I'm glad for that. Um, but we have with us Raul Andrews Jr. Esquire. How are you doing tonight, my man? 
I'm doing great, Aaron. Mark, how you guys doing? We're doing doing great. great. So let me give you a little background on uh, Rawl here. He's the executive director of the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. Uh, Before joining the APA Foundation, Rawl held several progressive responsible management positions with AARP over 15 years, including most recently as vice president and member of the AARP national leadership team. He was the private practice of a law before joining AARP. Raw holds a JD with honors from the Howard University School of Law, a BA from, in psychology from Texas Southern University, and management certification from AGL Executive Leadership Program at the Georgetown University McDonnell School of Business. Wow. So. Those are, uh, those are some impressive universities. <laughs> somebody uh, who... who uh, who notes those sort of things. So you, you've gotten, first of all, around the country and hit uh, several major universities. You know, it's a blessing to have made the rounds of the bases, you know? Uh, that's, I count uh, my lucky stars every day. Yep. No, those. that's impressive. A lawyer and with a, a psych, uh, you know, psychiatric uh, mm-hmm. a degree as well. Um those are those are interesting fields. Those are those don't go together usually, uh, so we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but also a cigar smoker. Yeah. So uh, we'll probably start there. But Aaron, what are we smoking tonight? So we are smoking. I think for the first time ever on a show, we are doing the Arturo Fuente Hemingway short story. We wanted to do the full size Hemingway, but. Unfortunately, we didn't have any. In the inventory, it said we're negative uh, 43, so I think uh, there's a box missing somewhere, or Conway has that. Uh, but we're doing the short story version I of this, this one. Cigar. Um, it's a Cameroon wrapper, a Dominican binder and filler. It's a 48 Perfecto. Um, so we actually have two. We're going we're gonna, to uh, tag team this and do two of these tonight. Mark broken. Because these are not long enough, because these are probably, what, four and a half maybe? Yeah. Four. Um, this is going to be a double cigar show, so we got uh, we got two Fuentes back to back. Yep. So and and unfortunately, you are not able to smoke with us because there are rules in in the uh, in the household. Uh, but you 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 sent me a picture earlier of a cigar sitting next to the computer, and so what are you smoking with us in uh, you know just in mind and in spirit? In my mind, I've got the uh, Romeo and Julieta uh, Clemenceau, nice. and uh, I'm holding the tube and. It's the 1875, nice. and uh, it smells great, uh, but I don't dare fire it up this close <laughs> to, to, the, to the end of the year. Yeah. But it smells great. I, uh, I'm not allowed to smoke in my house either, so uh, I, uh, I appreciate that rule. <laughs> I, think, I think the rule is you can do it one time, and then like, you're, just, you're just not around anymore. Right. I, can't, I can't imagine if I, I did that at the house, and no telling what Mo would do to me. I mean, uh, there was, it was so cold last night. I was like, you know what? Do you want to, I almost thought about it. You want to try it? And she was like, absolutely not. I was like, okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, all good. Yeah. You guys are doing double duty tonight. So, you know, when you take the last puff of the first and the first puff of the second, just think of all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I definitely will. Well, let's let's get a little bit of the uh, the history of your cigar life and everything. How long have you uh, been a cigar smoker? Well, that's a very complicated question, but I think our segue to this question sort of uh, opens the door. So, uh, my original foray into smoking was in the nineteen seventies. 
you might recall the old Dutch masters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my grandfather had a wonderful stash, having been a veteran of, uh, of, of the U.S. Army. And uh, because they keep, kept so well, you, know, you didn't need a humidor for the old Dutch master. Um, and so it was fashionable in the 70s, uh, particularly for boys to use cigar boxes for school supplies. Mm-hmm. And I never really knew how to get one. So I'm at my grandfather's home one summer. Uh, I go into a closet I probably shouldn't have been in. And lo and behold, do I see all these boxes of Dutch masters. And so uh, I didn't have a real good place to empty a box of cigars. So I was like, well, you know, what, what can it hurt? One or two cigars, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'll sneak out back, take them. I mean, no reason to dump them, right? Yeah, right. And, uh, but, you know, like most kids, uh, particularly precocious young boys, we have a real complicated notion around shrinkage. So if I had stopped at one, if I had stopped at one or two, I probably could have gotten away scot free. You know, you come back a half a box is missing, the seal is broken, <laughs> <laughs> and he knew he hadn't done it. Uh, my grandmother was snuffed; she would have never done it. Uh, so it was an interesting walk down memory lane because then he decided he had to teach me how to smoke them since I was sneaking. So I'd, I'd probably did way more than my mother even to this day knows. Um, so that was really my, <laughs> and that wasn't a fun night either. Uh, let me tell you, but we did sit out on the porch and uh, God bless him. He taught me a lesson. So really then I didn't do a lot of smoking for the rest of the seventies and probably got back into it when I made the fraternity cap alpha Psi in 1985. And uh, you know, that we had a, uh, some H. Upman, uh, as soon as we made the fraternity, uh, you know, we got in, uh, we all got Upmans uh, because our fraternity was, the colors are crimson and cream, but red and white is the equivalent. Mm-hmm. Upman had that nice red band yeah. and we were all standing out doing Upmans. And so we started, I think I can say this on this show, we used to dip them in uh, brown liquor. Yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you can fill in whatever blanks you want. Yeah. Around liquor, but, you know, we dip the oven and, and let it roll. Uh, and then, uh, you know, to kind of bring it full circle, as I entered into the private practice of law, as you mentioned in my bios, uh, you know, doing big law, the cigars were a big part of a lot of milestones and achievements, whether you do a big deal or win a big case. Uh, or, you know, you just decide, you know, the, the world was a little different in the 90s and the early 2000s yeah. because you didn't have all the bands you have now around smoking. So you could go to clubs and smoke cigars, yeah. you know, or you had rooms designated where you could smoke. So, uh, but, you know, what really it kind of led me to a, just a love of the Dominican smoke. I mean, I've had uh, Cubans. Uh, but I haven't had enough of them that I can tell you I've been willing to abandon my love for the Dominican brands. So is that the one you gravitate towards the most is, is the Dominican yeah. side? Yeah. It, it's usually going to be, uh, that Arturo Fuente, uh, or, or, or even st- I'll still every now and again do an Upman, uh, if it's around, but, uh, you know, again, 
it depends on who's providing the sticks. I'm probably not going to turn around. Yeah. You know, a Hemingway. If you guys had an extra Hemingway for me, uh, <laughs> it's probably just five degrees too cold for me to take this show outside. <laughs> but I bet I would have done it. I bet I would do it as soon as we sign off. <laughs> it is. I'm originally from Illinois, and this time of year is the tough part. Actually, towards the end of winter, you get a little braver because you. First of all, you get used to the cold a little bit more, and you get a little more desperate. Right. Yeah. But this time of year, it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm a little soft. I'm not sure. You're kind of, you know, you're getting into the cold weather. Yeah. This is the tough part of yeah, the year. Yeah, and you just don't know how to dress either. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, you, you know, I had a scarf on earlier today. It was too much. Uh, yeah. But no jacket would have been unthinkable. Yeah, right. It, it's like, like for me, so I, since I work construction, I'm outside. Like going into work heaters on the heated seats are on coming home ac's on i'm like stripping off my my my, my carhartt jacket it's just like we, we're in we're in that in that area especially in arkansas weather where if you don't like it just wait a couple hours but like thursday was a nice day it was nice but the wind was just i mean it was only like 52 at night but that wind just made it so much colder i was like i don't want to I don't want to sit out here. It's, it's not here. worth it. So, and we took it inside. Steven last night was talking about, he's down in Houston. He goes, it's actually muggy down here. He was complaining. It was super muggy uh, uh, Thanksgiving day here. Because I, yeah. I was on the herf with the guys and they're like, how is it? I was like, it's 71 right now, but it's just, like, it's balmy. It's just like, bleh. Yeah. It's, but, uh, yeah. It's, uh, this is always a tough time of year. So, yeah. although, uh, college football is going on and all that stuff. So, <laughs> so there's things to distract us. Struggle win. <laughs> it was, it you was know, a great weekend for college football. It was an amazingly interesting weekend for, I watched the entire, I'm an Alabama fan. I watched the entire uh, okay, yeah. iron bowl bowl in great pain until the last <laughs> five seconds. Right. And then watched the Oklahoma, Oklahoma state game with two muffed punts for touchdowns. Yeah. And, it was yeah, just crazy. Yeah. And there's been shakeup today. Michigan, Ohio State. Did you see who's going to USC? Yeah, uh, Lincoln Riley yeah, is Lincoln not Riley, going yeah. to LSU. No. He, he made the definitive he, statement He was yesterday. like, I do not want any part of the SEC. Give me the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah. It was and a, I don't blame him, but, you know, I mean, it, it, there was nothing good happening <laughs> moving from OU into the SEC. And, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know if I thought he was going to leave, but, yeah. you know, going to LSU wasn't going to solve any problems for him. Going to SC, you know, they're they're in a weird spot yeah. right now. Uh, but, you know. They are in a weird spot. As long as he gets, gets, to, gets to a Rose Bowl within the next five years, yeah. nobody's going to beat him up no. there. You go to any one of those schools in the SEC in the top five, you got to be in the championship game. You got to be. And LSU has had fired the last two head coaches yeah. who had – in the previous yeah. three years had won a national championship. And you just got to yeah. think about that. At some point you got to think apparently winning occasionally a national championship is not good enough. Well, there's, there's other issues involved with the swamp monster. That is coach. O right now. That's, I don't, you know, uh, maybe but <laughs> you just go, <laughs> you there's only so many. I mean, you can only sell, sell your soul for so much before the, the Piper comes to, I suppose. to do his LSU is a, is a great job, but I, I actually agree. If I was going to leave OU where I would go is USC. See, now is my time to reign because it's college basketball. Oh, season. I thought you were going to say because Kansas and, beat Texas because Aaron's a Kansas and fan. And Kansas 
uh, lost to Dayton. So that I'm all like, oh, okay, I know. That, I watched like, the end of here that. we go. That's this is not a good boating start That's, for for my Kansas Jayhawks. It's November, so. But to, well, you know, I think they're still in the lead eighteen. You oh, know, the yeah, problem yeah. is you just don't know because everybody's one and done. Mm-hmm. What you get, you really don't know what you're getting the whole season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you have to reload every year, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you got to reload every year, and you don't know now for sure. You may know no. in February no, or March, but you don't know right. now. Just don't lose in March. That's, that's the, the main thing. Just don't lose in March. That's what I'll, that's all I want. Right. It's been like 13 years since we I mean, it's not a, good, a horrible team. It's a, it's a good team, but... I mean, they're not Illinois State. No, but they're also... I mean, they beat the number four team, and it was just like, ugh, really? Yeah. But, oh, well. Yeah. So, since you're, a, since you're a Fuente guy, and your buddy is Steven... Have you had his one of his favorite cigars, the Casa Cuba? I have not had the Casa Cuba, but uh, he keeps telling me every time we get together, he's going to give me one. Uh, and we were in we were in Las Vegas right before the pandemic, and somehow it didn't happen. But <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, shame on you! But he hooked me. Up, he hooked me up with you guys. So I'm going to give my lifelong friend and fraternity brother a pass. <laughs> but somehow, and I can't believe he was in Vegas for four days. He didn't have one. Oh, but man. somehow I never got my stick. Yeah. So, uh, and then he ducked me when I was in Houston, I think three weeks ago. Oh. So, uh, you know, he, he's busy. But, uh, you know, like I said, he hooked me up with you guys, Aaron and Mark. So I'm going to give him a pass. Yeah. Uh... He has a he has a running count of the number of those that he has smoked. I mean, it's it's got to be one a day, yeah. He it's in the eighties last time I heard, but they ask him, so what number is that? And then somebody he has a running count. And of does that. he reset on one one? Like on <clears throat> I don't 1st? know, but he's got a number that he has smoked of that. <laughs> wow, it's crazy. Okay, well, no, 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 now when because he's gonna probably hit me up. Want to know how the show went? Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna I'm re- gonna remind him he owes me a stick. <laughs> I'm gonna so remind him as well. Guys, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the best alley oop you could give me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he uh, and I, as a matter of fact, need to bomb Stephen as well because I I put aside some of my favorite cigars to ship to him. Yeah, and uh, and I I've uh, I, so I've got him in a bag that I just need to ship to him. Yeah. And I'll, as part of that, I will put a note in there and, and remind him of that. <laughs> Pay it forward. <laughs> right. So are, are you a, uh, are you like a porch smoker or do you have a, a brick and mortar shop that you go to? You know, I'm pretty much porch, but, uh, you know, our fraternity has a, uh, uh, a Victorian uh, row house in DC. Okay. And we've got a garden in the back. So as long as you have your uh, dues paid, you can go back there and smoke to your heart's content. And, uh, you know, you, you know, we got humidor lockers in the, uh, lounge area. Okay. So, um, you know, but most of the time it's going to be porch. I guess it just depends on where I am. You know, if I want to smoke alone, I'm going to be out on my deck. If I want to smoke with a group, I'll probably be somewhere in Washington and I would probably do it, uh, before, during, after games, or after work, that kind of thing. Well, what but, does uh, uh, well, that kind of leads us into ahead. the next one? What 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 is the culture in general for cigars? What does that mean to you? You know, I think that a uh, you know a man's man, 
is is a cigar smoker. And, uh, you know, in a time when cancel, you know, cancel culture and all these things are all abound and it's hard to just say, you know, these are men things uh, that, that aren't excluding anybody else. I mean, I have smoked with women too, but I just think a man's man, you know, when you want to just really ease in uh, mm-hmm. or out of a situation, there isn't a better segue in my mind than a good stick. And, you know, sometimes people who don't agree on anything, you might not agree on music, mm-hmm. you might not agree on politics, North versus South, East versus West, but a unifying common denominator, a lot of times, guys, really is a stick, particularly if somebody's offering you a stick yeah. and or you're offering them a stick and you can be cursing each other out about, you know, they're blue and you're, you're, you're green. Uh, but the reality of it is you're still sitting there with your legs, not necessarily your legs crossed, but your feet crossed, kind of kick back with bad posture mm-hmm. in the chair. <laughs> Smoking to your heart's content. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. Like I've always said, you know, we our shop is in Little Rock, so it's in the capital city. So we have, you know, the delegates and everything coming here every once in a while. But no matter what you are outside the outside those walls, inside here, the first thing you are is a cigar smoker first, and everything else you, you might have commonalities, you might not, but you can at least agree on one thing. But then you can break it down to like, oh, I like Maduros and I like Naturals. And then you can you can fight and bicker about that on, on what's better. But uh, the main thing, the first thing is inside of a lounge or inside of a shop, you're a cigar smoker first. And it's at least one, one commonality that you have with anybody else in here. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. So one of the questions we always ask, um, and largely because it, it, it elicits a lot of different responses, doesn't have to be your best cigar. Doesn't have to be, you know, anything. The cigar doesn't have to be special. Um, but one of the questions we always ask, a lot of times it's very situational, um, is what is your most memorable cigar? Um, you know, a lot of times it's in memory of somebody or with someone special. But do you have a most memorable cigar? So my, you know, my H. Upman story, the 1844 Reserve, uh, we had won a huge case and I was on detail in Phoenix, Arizona. And the case lasted almost two years. So I was flying back and forth between Washington, D.C. and Phoenix. And I didn't know a lot about Arizona at the time. And the only folks I knew were the folks in my law firm who were in that Arizona office. And, uh, so, you know, we became sort of a, a trial team that became a family, and it was a big multi-million uh, dollar case. And when we won that case, uh, I don't think I've ever seen that many bottles popped or that many <laughs> sticks lit up. Uh, but, you know, the fatted calf was the only thing that was missing from that night. Yeah. And the reason why the reserve is so special to me is not just because of the victory, but the leader of the trial team actually passed away. Great guy. Uh, <clears throat> he passed away about three years ago, and he was just 61 years old. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, he, he just loved a good cigar. He, he didn't overindulge in a good steak, but he loved a good steak, but just could tell a story better than 
probably any other lawyer I ever met. Like you just were enraptured by uh, Craig's aura, you know, scratch golfer, uh, even though I was not, uh, but he'd let you be out there putting away with him. Um, but always trying to put you in a position, you know, sort of like a point forward since it's hoop season. Craig was a point forward. You know, he he was going to put you in a position uh, professional where you could uh, succeed. You know, uh, you know, maybe high risk scenarios, uh, but the reality of it is your position was going to be one where all you had to do was do your part and you're going to be all right. And when he brought out that case of reserves, Upman reserves, uh, I, I can still taste it on my tongue even though, you know, that was 25 years ago. Those, uh, that's, that's a great story. And that it's funny how those people in our lives, uh, I love the description of him as a point forward, those people in our lives who, who are such, I don't want to say gravitational force, but those are, those people are so impactful in our lives and tied to those moments are, um, are really special memories. And so that's a very cool cigar. That's a cool memory. Um, uh, that's boy, that's really young to lose somebody who's, who sounded like a really cool dude. Yeah. Really cool. I mean, just, I'm telling you, if you walked in, in your place in little rock, uh, this weekend, you would have, you would have opened the, the gates and just been like, yeah, Hey, <laughs> uh, and you know, not, he wasn't going to, I mean, Craig's going to pay his weight. Right. You know, so it wasn't like he's looking for gratuities or anything like that. Um, but just loved a good time, you know, and uh but could you know, worked his butt off. But when it was when 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 the horn blew and it, and we were done, we were gonna party our butts off too. Awesome. And uh I hope he knew, you know, I don't remember if the last time I talked to him I, I expressed uh the profound impact he had had on me in my career. But uh, I hope he knew that uh, I held him in such a deep regard. And matter of fact, just because I'm talking to you guys, I'm probably going to reach out to his widow uh, before this year is over just to let her know I was thinking about both of them. That's awesome. Good. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's one of the things Aaron and I believe in is that you need to tell people uh, their impact on your life. And so um, that's uh, – <clears throat> that, that is a good reminder to let those know people who, who uh, know who impact you uh, how they do. Right. So. Right. Absolutely. And I think we say it and we certainly read the Hallmark card, but again, I, you know, yeah. I probably had Craig deep on my mind. You guys had to question the perfect, another perfect alley-oop. Yep. from the hoop team down in Little Rock. Yep. Yeah, no. That's a great <laughs> let's, let's get down to Barnhill Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't shoot a ball, but I can I can pass. Okay. Hey, you know, we haven't played basketball, Aaron. My, my mom could still whip my ass in basketball to this is, day. Is she, is she, she the basketball player? I mean, she played in college. I... I'm built like a dump truck. I cannot do that. Yeah, my mother still says she was the best hooper in our family, too. Yeah. At 85, she'll tell you what happened in the uh, the segregated championship game. <laughs> I can I can still see my mom, like, hitting that 20-foot jumper over me in our driveway. I'm like, oh, God. And, like, all, and like all my buddies are around, and they're like, 
they cover their mouth and, oh, and like they all scatter going, Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Thanks yeah. mom. She can, if she can, if she listens, she could play. She could play. Right. Hey, hey. You gotta respect it. Well, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because she sounds a lot like my little sister who was all state in Texas. And so she's got two prodigies, my niece and nephew, uh, my, my nephew is a senior in high school, probably looking at a couple of D1 schools as a point guard. Nice. But my niece is an, uh, a 12U All-American softball player who already has drawn the attention of some some colleges in sixth grade. Oof. And uh, you go in my sister's house, and the only trophies on the mantle are her 90s trophies when she was uh, – a basketball star. Right. And I'm like, look, you got two world-class athletes in your house. What, you know, why are your trophies up and her, you know, all of theirs are relegated to, to the room. And she's like, well, when they get an MVP trophy, I'll be happy to take my, <laughs> my house. Yeah. When they I get their own the fireplace trophy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, so the MVP was kind of a full stop, you know, like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's not all tournament team. That's the MVP. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's something. Well, I'll, I'll make a quick little side judge or side saying right here. Guess who's going back to state again for the fourth straight time? Oh, I saw that. You guys, Bryant beat North Little Rock. No, yeah. you beat. Yeah, you yeah. beat. So the team that Aaron broadcasts for is going back to the state championship game for the fourth time in a row. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. So, yeah. I, I, I'm. They got, they got any uh, any rivals in the uh, in the bracket? Uh, no. So we actually beat our biggest rival um, Friday night uh, for to go to state. It was the team that we played for the past three years in the championship game, and now we're playing a team that we haven't played in like three years or so. But I'm glad to have my Friday nights back. This game is on a Saturday Saturday night, so I don't know why oh, it's Friday it? night, but. One more game, and then I'm done. For, Are you broadcasting it? So we're actually, we don't have the rights to the video, but we have the rights to the audio. So we're going to go guerrilla style. I'm actually, we're, we're makeshifting our own Be on the uh, sidelines stuff. or something? No, we're going to be up, up, up in, the, uh, in the press box. Okay. Uh, but we're going guerrilla style, and uh, just we're not going to have any breaks or any sponsorships. It's going to be me and Westbrook talking for four hours straight. So, wow. so Sunday when I'm up here, I don't I'm know not going to say a word. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Aaron, uh, uh, Aaron uh, yeah, that'll be fun. I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll tune in. But if you know me, you know that I can talk for yeah. four solid straight hours. No, that's, that's not going to bother me at all. <laughs> no, you, you won't struggle. You won't struggle for words. I'll be okay. Yeah. That's well, awesome. Let's talk about these cigars before. We have to light up our another one because this one's about close. done for me. I'm getting close. Um, the first half, spicy. Uh, that Cameroon, I mean, it's such a hard tobacco to get. That's why they usually make these smaller ones, just because it's, I mean, it's such a delicate tobacco, and there's just, there's one family that controls the whole Cameroon wrapper scheme, I guess. I don't even know. Scheme. <laughs> but uh, Distribution. Yeah. Might be a problem. That sounds better. <laughs> that sounds less criminal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> less mafia informed. We talked about one mafia on last week's show. Okay. Uh, let's not, t- I don't want to talk about right. anymore. Right. I don't want to be that show not. that gets a, there's a guy that shows up on my door. <laughs> right. No, there, yeah, I mean. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. You know. Yeah. Or as they say, drive miles. Yeah. Drive yeah. miles. <laughs> 
<laughs> I tell you what, this short, short first of all, Hemingway uh, for Fuente. Fuente is a great manufacturer of cigars. Steve, one of Stephen and I's favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and and when so when you said either a Romeo or a Hemingway, I was like, I'm in for the Hemingway. Yeah. Um, oh, and yeah. so well, that's good for me to know before I come to Arkansas. You are. And, you will come uh, here, and if you come here, um, you we will smoke some. Uh, some special right. Hemingway or some special Fuentes. Um, because I'm going to give you plenty of notice, but I'm going to make my way in 22. Okay. I'll be here. Uh, well, Stephen has been threatening that as well. And so we should all, we should all huddle up or maybe I'll go down to Houston and make him, uh, make him uh, <laughs> recognize us. Finally well, pay his debts. Yeah. Um, but we definitely well, should. You know, uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to make sure he knows that you know, if I'm there, I'm gonna be there for a while. My job is to travel. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. But yep. uh, I still have you know mom and family in Houston, so never never hard to get there except for this daggone pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a bummer to travel. My uh, it's been tough. My, my wife just got back from Vegas. My doctor didn't allow me to travel because I had a, a problem with my foot, uh, and she was saying travel, uh, even though it was a direct flight from here to. Vegas, she goes. It was it was still, awful. Still a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah she goes. I bet. She said, first of all, all of the escalators were broken in the lost, or the uh, the people movers were broken in the, uh, in the McCarran Airport, uh, and, and I just went. That's a long walk. <laughs> I said. Yeah, no, no, no. If you can't go down that back that back escalator, yeah. uh, <laughs> especially if you're flying Southwest, yeah. which I uh-huh. uh, take it you probably are. Yeah. Then. Uh, you, yeah, you got to go all the way around. Yeah, she uh, yeah. she might have called me mad, <laughs> like somehow I broke it. Like it's your fault. <laughs> like it was like it was my fault. No, that was that's what that's what she led with. It's your fault. The people movers were broken, and I said, <laughs> well, at least she's taking it on you and not on some rando, you know. Yeah, well, she might have. She might have taken it on both of us. Let's let's get into what you do because I know you've got a new job. Um, um, from, from the bio, but also, cause we talked a little bit. So what, what is the new job? What do you, I know you've done, you, you know, you're obviously an attorney, but you got a new, uh, a new role that sounds pretty cool. So wh- what are you, what are you doing now? So I am the executive director of the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. Uh, we'll be celebrating 30 years of service in 2022. But the APA Foundation is the charitable and educational arm of the American Psychiatric Association that has been around since 1844. Uh, So the APA, uh, which is a body, it's the largest body of psychiatrists in the world, some 38,000 members, and it uh, is the oldest medical, national medical society uh, in the United States of America. And so... Uh, what we like to do is we promote uh, a mentally healthy nation for all where people live, learn, work, worship, and play, which is sort of where you guys come in. And uh, we, you know, we try to do that through uh, thought leadership. Uh, we try to promote a mil- mentally healthy nation through uh, convenings, big and small, uh, in-person and more recently virtual. And then we... Uh, have a role in philanthropy as well. Uh, and so uh, sometimes because we're trying to amplify 
mental health awareness, mental health equity, uh, and mental health action. Uh, sometimes you got to put uh, some cash around that in, in order to get action going. So uh, as, as the executive director, uh, I run a team of, of 14, soon to be 18 folks uh, in a group, the APA staff of 200. Uh, I'm one of 10 uh, executives in what we know as the, the C-suite or the executive suite of the organization. So uh, as the chief philanthropist of the APA, uh, I'm really trying to make sure uh, people know not only is it okay not to be okay, it also is okay to say you need some help if it's appropriate. Amen. Uh, and, uh, well, there's a lot to unpack there. <clears throat> and there's about 15 different questions in different directions <laughs> I want to go there. Yeah, like yeah. I'm over here just like running through my notes. I'm like, all right, where do we need to start? It just right. you pick anything. I tell you what, um, and, and, and uh, it, it, the, it's not to be okay it's, it's okay to not be okay thing took me a while to figure out. Um, and right. that is, it's such a, um, it's such a little phrase. Uh-huh. And um, especially as men, it yeah. is, it is not taught. That is not taught. Cause it's, no. it, we teach it's, men. It's no, not no, okay no. to be, to not be okay. Right. Well, you know, the, the, what, what did Tom Hanks say? In, in a league of their own, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. Right. You know, when, when you're on the gridiron, are you hurt or are you injured? You know, so yep. it isn't uh, the kind of thing where uh, you're wearing your heart on your sleeve. And I don't necessarily think you have to do that either. But there are some things that happen that are just, you know, jolts or bumps yep. in the road where you could just close all the blinds, grab a cigar and a beverage of choice and just chill and be okay tomorrow. But sometimes you can't just shake it off. Right. And I think that is the point when real men can say, you know what, I'm just not feeling myself. And even though I've tried to take a step back or sit down and, and, and shake it off, it's just not shaking off. And I think that's where we have to get as men. And particularly, you know, as a man of color, I can tell you, it's sometimes doubly or triply worse than it is for general audiences. I wondered about that. That was one of the things, and obviously um, it's, you know, that in, in, in that, that community, it's even worse because it's, it, I, I, I wonder, cause I don't know, but I mean, mm-hmm. even in, because I grew up in, you know, uh, in in white America, I guess, mm-hmm. just for want of a better term, just, to, um, and we didn't talk about this stuff, and it wasn't okay. But I know, I know in 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 Black America, it is a it's a different. It's even it's got to be more challenging because there's a you know. I mean, would you would you call it a stigma? Oh well, stigma is the is the professional and the street term, but you know, in in the black community, to a certain extent, particularly for men, it has been a taboo. Mm-hmm. You know, so that uh, you know, you're just supposed to figure out how to be uh, John Henry. Yeah, you know, pick up the hammer and just keep banging it away. You know, and yeah. 
you know, no, you know, life's not a bowl of cherries, right? You just shake it off. You figure it out. You get up the next day and get going again. You know, the challenge, though, because of stress and anxiety, uh, there is no health without mental health. So if your mental health suffers, you're going to see non-communicable diseases yep. like heart disease, uh, diabetes, uh, high blood pressure. All of those things will crop up yep. or be worsened by a poor state of mental health. Yeah, yeah. And in, in you know coming from my aspect and from my point of view where I've lived with this is as bad it is as it is now, it's at least getting better because you know I wasn't able. I myself felt like I couldn't ask for help until I was at my very rock bottom. But now you're starting to get, you know, people in the uh, sports community and, you know, higher stars that are actually talking about issues that they're facing. Um, I mean, Dak Prescott a couple years ago was talking about, you know, how he struggled and how his, you know, his, his brother's death affected him, you know, and he took a, he took a beating, from some people, but there's also, he was championed as somebody who is breaking the, breaking the mold and breaking, breaking the stigma where, yeah, you might have, you know, three commas in your bank account, but still doesn't mean you just can't go through, you know, some of the worst shit in your life ever. And you're still dealing yep. with like anybody else, you know, for mine, all mine was, you know, it all came tumbling down on me in March of 16, you know, I'm the cigar, like what we talk about, the thing kind of binds everything, everything together. I've always said cigars bring me back to zero. And without this community, you know, I know for 100%, I would not be here. But as hard as it was five years ago to really talk about it, it's at least getting a little bit better now where like me, like you, Mark, yeah. we're at least open to having these hard discussions where, vulnerability creates, you know, better opportunity for the next person. Right. No, that's right. And, and, and I, and I credit, uh, not just the athletic community, but in particular that sports and entertainment community where people, you know, everybody knows Van Gogh, uh -huh. but few people know Van Gogh was a schizophrenic. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, in the, in the black community, you know, one of the revered uh, R&B stars of, of yesteryear, Donny Hathaway, uh, committed suicide because he thought people were trying to steal his uh, music and just wow. jumped out headfirst out of a New York wow. City hotel window, you know. And uh, but again, his music is still, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Otis Redding. How many of us sit up sitting by the dock of the bay? Yeah. And if you think about the lyrics to sitting by the dock of the bay, there is so much pain in those lyrics for that song to be as popular today as it was 70 years ago. Yeah. 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 He's just sitting by the dock of the bay watching the tide roll away. Yeah. You know, and, and if you there isn't there's not one line in those lyrics that is uplifting. No. But Again, when, when, when the Olympics happened, you know, we saw some things. Uh, when when uh, U.S. Open and Wimbledon came around, we heard a little bit more. And then as football and basketball season started, you know, more and more. Uh, but you talk about 2016. I remember my daughter 
uh, was running for student body president, a vice president of her college. And I remember I was asking her, what was her platform going to be? And she told me, she ticked them all off and she had some of the usual suspects, but one of the top three was mental health. And I said, well, you know, and again, this is before I came to the APA foundation. And I was like, well, you know, if you do that though, isn't that going to alienate some of your college electorate? You know, will people vote for somebody who wears mental health needs on their, on their sleeve? And she said, well, I don't know how it was back in the horse and buggy days when you were in college, <laughs> but in the 21st century, if you're not leading with mental health, you're tenured and out, you know, you're out to lunch. Yeah. And, and she was, she proved to be right. Um, and so, <clears throat> but the stigma is still there, believe it or not. Um, you know, I represent to a certain extent uh, a body of psychiatrists and they have stigma on top of stigma because the reality of it is if your elbow or your ankle is hurting right now, nobody going to give you any gruff about saying, here's about 10,000 home remedies. Here's a, no, a number to urgent care or some app, or just go talk to a doctor, mm-hmm. see what they can do. But make sure you elevate it. Make sure you elevate it. You know, you start getting into uh, some of your mental or your emotional well-being issues. You know, look, all I asked you was how you how you doing today. You know, I really didn't expect you to tell me the truth. Right. <laughs> you know, no, I think I'm just out of courtesy supposed to ask you, how's it going? Yeah. Uh, like now you're really telling me and, and I got to get back to my uh, text messaging. So uh, we got to do better about, colla- you know, uniting physical and mental health. And I think the, the more we can do with this moment in time, uh, a pandemic that didn't cause mental struggle, but certainly made it worse but made it more pronounced. We got to keep the drum beat going because the reality of it is we, we, we are microwave mentality. And if we'd ever get past all these variants and somebody declares all clear, do we know that the pendulum is going to stay where it is guys? Or do we believe like almost everything else is going to swing right back? You know what? The pandemic was five years ago. Get over it. Mm-hmm. The pandemic was three years ago. Just get over it. Yep. The pandemic was yesterday. Just get over it. Just get over and it. the just get over it is almost always about mental health stigma. Yep. Uh, and I think there's two points there that I think you made really well. The first is, so um, when I came back, uh, and I and I don't I don't know if you know this, but I was involved in the mass shooting at Las Vegas, and I came back and thought I was fine, right, and wasn't. Um, so, and then, um, so people would ask me how I was, and for a while I gave the, I'm doing okay, you know, answer. And then at some point I decided I would give the honest answer. Yeah. Um, and the number of people who seemed, who liked me, who who genuinely cared about me, but horrified by the answer. When I gave the answer, I'm struggling today, but I'm getting by. Um, the number of people who were horrified by that answer, which I gave for a while, um, was astounding. And not because they were mean to me, but they didn't know what to do with that answer. And so giving them some some grace on my side, it's not that they didn't care. Mm-hmm. I think they did, but they just didn't know what to do. 
because here's a big guy who seems to have his stuff together generally, who just admitted that he's not doing okay. There's not a lot that most people can do with that answer, right? So yeah. you, um, and so um, it, it is, uh, and so I learned to sort of temper where I give that answer. So like when Steven asked me, hey, how you doing? He gets an honest answer from me because mm-hmm. I know he's asking, um, he's prepared for the, he he would be upset if I gave him an, a, a dishonest answer yeah. or a cute answer. He doesn't want that. But there are people who right. in general want the cute answer. So I give it to him, right? Fine, doing great today. Uh, even though some days I'm not, right? Because yeah. some days I'm struggling. Um, and the, the, the get over it, um, part, which was the second part, <clears throat> was the most amazing part for me because um, the shooting happened in 2017. It's 2021 now. It's four years. Mm-hmm. And right. some days it's like it happened yesterday. Yeah. Some days it's not, and I'm cool, and we're just going along. But you just don't get over something like that or you don't get over being depressed or whatever your thing is. Everybody has their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is mine, but it, it's not any worse or than anyone else's, right? It's mine. But to say you just get over it in a minute because it was yesterday or yeah. it was five years ago or whatever um, is something, and I've said it, so I'm as guilty as anybody of saying that. Um, you know, time just heals all wounds, right? We we have a cliche for it, for crying any sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't always heal it every day. Now, some days it does get easier, but on, on some days um, it's really hard. And yeah. you just deal with that as your trauma and you or your, your issue. Um, and so uh, I think one of the things about getting over it is it's part of your life forever. And yeah. so whether it's depression or being bipolar or whatever, th- these are some of these things are medical issues. Some of these things are trauma issues, but they go on forever. Well, and to touch on two things that you said, or one thing, but it is two things I'm saying, you know, it's um, everybody has a unique situation. Your situation is unique to mine. Not very many people have been in a predicament like what you were in, that has caused that. Not everybody has been in the predicament or situation that I was in that caused my, I don't want to say downfall, but my stumble because, you know, eventually picked myself back up. And then two, you know, sometimes when we give those fluff answers, at least from my point of view is I feel like I didn't want to be a burden to anybody else. You know, I lied to my family and my closest friends for a long damn time because I didn't want to put them through the anguish and struggle on trying to help me when they had, you know, they couldn't be put in my shoes. So I just didn't want to, I didn't want to burden them with any of the pain that I was feeling, you know, and looking back, back at it, you know, you know, at, at, at full clarity, you know, not talking to everybody was probably fine, but there was definitely those people that if I would have reached out to it, you know, I wouldn't have had my, my drinking problem, my substance abuse problem, you know, all the other issues that I went through. If I just, you know, just made myself vulnerable at that moment in time. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate you guys sharing your, your testimonies because 
Uh, I was not there, but I can tell you that event, because of where it happened, you know, for almost 20 years before the pandemic, my go-to hotel was the Mandalay Bay. Yeah. Even when I had better opportunities to stay in other properties. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just fell in love with that gold building. Oh, it's a beautiful building. uh, It really was. And, you know, like I said, there were, you know, you could have gone. There were newer buildings, uh, even newer now. Um, And when I was there in 2019 with Stephen and a few other folks, uh, I ended up staying at uh, – oh, what was the – it's based off the Italian – Oh, uh, Caesars? No. No, 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 no. Bellagio, not the Bellagio. Where the mall is. Um, no, not Bellagio. No, I know. Uh, uh, it'll the, Vene- come the Venetian? The Venetian. Venetian. I stayed at the Venetian. And uh, there's nothing against it. I, it just wasn't my hotel, you know? Your jam. But yeah. I could not bring myself to, to be in Mandalay yeah. two years later. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the mass trauma in Houston couple weeks ago yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know oh, as man. a native houstonian uh, you know i grew up going to astral world before and after they did their deal with six flags and so the young entertainer travis scott uh pretty much his theme even though he never really was an astral world uh attendee himself because he's too young but you know he just kind of made that a part of his brand but now all of my childhood memories of Astro World yeah. are lost, snuffed out by a mass tragedy that but for a school activity almost claimed the life of my nephew in 2019. And he would have been there in 2021, wow. except he had something to do first thing in the morning that Saturday and just decided not to go. Wow. And uh, again, I don't know what would have occurred had he attended, but uh, still now, I, the, the, my first thought of Astro World is not snow cones and roller coasters. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's this mass event, yeah. you know. And so, uh, like I say, I can't look at Mandalay the same. And I wasn't there, yep. so I, you know, I. Uh, yeah, it is that. Uh, I'm glad you guys. I'm glad you guys are putting it out there. Yeah, and I'm glad you have each other, but you also have this community. Of, of aficionados where it is one of the few places we can talk straight. Now that doesn't mean that it has to stop there. You know, if you need more than that, then when it's appropriate, I hope people will seek it out, but just being able uh, to be open, you know, some might say as they have tonight, be vulnerable, I guess, fine. Uh, but my thing is just be a little open, you know, knowing that, you know, you know, they say in vino veritas, but the same could be true of cigars. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to hit on the point you just hit on because, and I, I, I don't know, Aaron, if you do this, um, but I have a guy that I see on a regular basis, Jared, um, who I have seen for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I, I swear by Jared. He is... Um, I don't know why I didn't see somebody before, um, but uh, he has helped me through a million things. Um, And uh, so I think I needed that. 
I needed somebody who was heavily qualified to deal with my BS Mm -hmm. and my stuff, right? And help me unpack it and organize it and give me tools and techniques to deal with it. And um, uh, I I think, um, I know there's a huge sort of, so I, I, you know, I don't know that I've said that on air, but uh, I, I see a guy every couple of weeks. Um, he is great, and and I, um, I, I jokingly tell him that uh, I don't know why I didn't come see him before, other than he's yep. a fairly young guy and probably uh, hasn't been in business for for fifty years. But um, uh, I am a huge proponent um, when you get to that point that you need to. I go to a doctor when I something's wrong, mm-hmm. um, and I go to Jared when when I need help, and I. I do. So. And, and, and to, to piggyback off that, you know, you say you go to the doctor when something's wrong, so you go see him. You know, I go to the gym and I work out to stay in, yeah. a, a, you know, a healthy shape and get stronger and everything. Just like if you talk to a, th- a therapist on a regular basis, it, yeah. it's working out yeah. everything else as well. Just like, I, you know, I go to the gym or whatever. I run to keep my body right. I need to talk to somebody to keep my mind right, you know, at the, at the same time. So I kind of want to talk through a couple issues. Um, First of all, what do you think generationally? Because we're in a unique time. We're not, you and I are, I I know from your reference to high school and college (laughs) that you and I are roughly the same age. Um, So, you know, what do you think generationally is one of the biggest issues that really from a mental health point of view is that's impacting us? I mean, is it equity? Is it, is it, is it the stigma of, of, of reaching out for help? What do you think is, is, are the biggest issues? Yeah. So stigma is the big thing. Um, so let's not undervalue the, the, the impact, the negative impact of stigma, uh, right beneath that, uh, availability, accessibility, and, uh, affordability, are some other issues that impact uh, across multicultural audiences, you know, not just uh, equity as we know it, you know, uh, yeah. in terms of race or race or ethnicity. You know, I think uh, you know, most people don't know a therapist, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Yeah. Uh, if they do know them, they may not know them in that capacity. Uh Many of our, for those who have portable insurance plans, many of them make it difficult to go see somebody independently. So you need a referral from a primary care physician. Men, as we all know, struggle with their relationships with primary care physicians as well. Um, And I think ultimately what it all goes back to, since we're talking about uh, age, is weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> That's no, right? no, hundred percent. And, and, and we and we thought we thought that was just a toy, right? I right. mean, it's just weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. But that's how we in the twentieth century, with our uh, analog hearts and our emerging digital minds, that's how we were constructed. No matter what side of the river or what side of the train track you grew up on 
weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Right. And so, you know, everybody knew somebody who they perceived to be struggling, but that person was ostracized. Right. And so you did everything you could to stay away from them wherever you were in life from the earliest elementary school playground days until current day. You're just not trying to be bothered with somebody who you believe is a little a little off, if you will, um, or off-putting. Um, and then, uh, you know, on the job, you know, the challenge with mental health is that uh, even when employers offer programs and they promise you that they're going to be confidential, uh, do you really want to be the person who says they can't check in when coach says, going um you know I'm, I'm just not i'm having one of those days i don't think i can make it they're not going to call you the second time and by the third time you might be looking for new employment you know so uh you know it's hard not to uh, to feel like you got to do it and then uh you know sometimes when these things intersect with home life and you know you you'd rather just say you got a headache than as you as you guys already have said yeah. than to just be honest and say there's really something off you know not you know, a migraine can get you so far, but there's a reason why you might be having headaches and it might be laden with uh, depression, which, believe it or not, is the number one disability in the United States. Wow. Well, that's uh... not a physical manifestation, but yeah. depression itself, chronic depression is the number one disability. Wow. And the reality of it is... Uh, you know, the, uh, it, it starts early. It doesn't, you know, we're losing, you know, one out of every five adults, you know, suffers from some mental health uh, challenge or substance use challenge. Um, but, you know, 50% of our youth run into mental health challenges uh, by the age of 14, 75% of our youth run into challenges by the age of 24. And some of those, because they don't get, either they don't get help or they're undiagnosed, again, because of that accessibility, that availability, that acceptability. The reality of it is now you're living your whole life uh, and we're living longer. Uh, You know, one million people turn 60 every day all over the world. So if you didn't get it fixed at 14 and you didn't get it fixed at 34 and you didn't get it fixed at 54 at 84, you're carrying around a lot of baggage. Yeah. Now the, the numbers that you just said, dealing with the, the, the younger generation and everything, is that something you can attribute to because of the way social media is nowadays, as opposed to, you know, even when I growing up in the, you know, I'm a born, I was born in the eighties, so I didn't have that, social media growing up through school and everything. But right now, I mean, kids have access to Instagram and Twitter and everything else by the age of seven. So it's almost like they have the, they're seeing these certain standards by other people's viewpoint. It, does that seem like more of an issue in today's society than it was just 20 years ago? You know, I, I, I want to say maybe, I don't want to say definitively yes. And the reason why I qualify it, is because the numbers haven't changed dramatically over the last 40 years in terms of percentages. The only difference is because of social media, 
we are forcing our kids to grow up a lot faster or they have access to way more information than we ever did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But more importantly than that, we can give real-time feedback too. So, you know, these studies that people had that you would have had, uh, you know, who who was thinking about the New England Journal of Medicine? If if you weren't a doctor in the 60s and the 70s and the 2000s, you know, now uh, USA Today is going to be on the front page of the paper or the front page of the website, you know, so it's in our faces. Um, And I think some of it is delusional because, you know, there are some people who bear their souls on on social media, but for the most part, everybody's the king or the queen of the world on social media. (laughs) And then when when they're not online, life is really happening. And, And if something befalls them significantly, everybody's Amy Winehouse shaking their head you know, she was on top of the world. How could she right. go out like that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. like, well, uh, there's a burden to have to get up and perform every day uh, for somebody. And like, you're always on yeah. all the time and everything you do. Oh, you came out of the house in sweats and no makeup with a baseball cap on, you know, and that's global news. Yeah. You know, so you then you end up like a Simone Biles in the Olympics or a Naomi Osaka in tennis and you're like, you know what? I just can't go. Yeah. 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 You know, and, uh, you're just under my, it's like, you know what? 50%, you're probably going to be better than anybody you're competing against. But for you to say you can't go, yeah, you know, that's amazing. You know, and one of the things I can tell you guys quickly, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Ben Zobrist, who was the, uh, world series. So Ben Zobrist has joined my board. Really, and okay. and uh, as we roll out the where we play uh, platform of our work around mental health uh, and substance use disorder, you know Ben is going to be uh, a thought leader, and a face and a voice for us, uh, not just in baseball, okay, uh, but across the board. And uh, he and I have already had some deep conversations about uh, how we think we can do some more good. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the fact that he's going to lend his name cool. uh, and his experience and his voice uh, to this movement, I think is going to be huge. Uh, the other thing we've done uh, in the last two weeks, we've accepted membership in the mental health coalition. Uh, you guys may be familiar with uh, the American designer, Kenneth Cole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Kenneth Cole founded the mental health coalition in May of 2020. And uh, so we're up to 39 organizations now that are not just nonprofits. We got for-profits, athletes, entertainers, designers, uh, medical professionals, so forth and so on, all in a consortium trying to turn this movement into something that is sustainable beyond COVID-19 pandemic. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ben Zobris because he was with the Royals whenever we won the World Series. He was yeah. a big contributor to yes, that. Yes, he was. Uh, you know, won yeah. uh, just the Cubs. Uh, he was with the Cubs the following year. Um, yeah, I, and, and no He's one actually hit. from Central Illinois, yeah. where I'm originally from. Yeah, so I'm a, yes, I'm a big is. fan of that his. That is exactly right. That is, and he's really a cool guy. I mean, I just, yeah. uh, you know, we, we had a, a Zoom call. That's going to be one. I know it was one of my conversations for 2021, but just was, you know, for, for somebody who's been on the biggest stage yeah. and performed at the highest level, 
to be as chill as he was. Uh, and I don't know whether or not he lights them up or not, but I can assure you guys, Aaron and Mark, if he does light them up when we make our road show, I'm going to have to figure out a way to hook up with you. <laughs> That'd be awesome. He, uh, he's... I don't know if he lights them up, but, you know, he probably had one in his mouth when he won one of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he did. <laughs> few people could win them back to back, right? Yeah. You win in Kansas City. You go to Chicago yeah. and you win. <laughs> well, my wife is a Cubs fan, so uh, she was. Uh, she's a big uh, Ben Zobras fan, mm-hmm. um, oh, and yeah. he he seemed like. I mean, he was he was a great ball player, but you know the the pressure that's on those athletes um, uh, to perform. Uh, you know, and I, we've all played sports, um, but just what? the the insane, unrealistic pressure. That and you mentioned Amy Winehouse, who I'm a huge fan yeah. of, um, and sure. you just—it's just we have this uh, unrealistic expectation of a lot of people, um, and it's just—I—I uh, I, I sort of congratulate um, the two ladies, Simone and uh, 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 the tennis player, and I. Uh, yeah, yeah, Naomi Osaka, yeah. absolutely. Uh, to say to stand up and say I've I've just mm-hmm. in, in particular uh, Naomi who stood up and said uh, I'm tired of you. I mean, because the, the media just dissects every and you're just going um, and you're just going. I, I've had enough of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, it, it it takes courage. It takes courage is is the right word. So, um, but it's um, it, it is a we. Who knew that in uh, the early 80s when we were watching CNN and we were all so fascinated with that we got news and all that stuff that that, that monster would have to get fed? Yeah. Because that's what it is. We have to have news all the time now. Yep. Right. And and everything is breaking news, right? right. I mean, it's everything. like I don't even really know what breaking news is <laughs> yeah. anymore. Right. Because I bet if I leave this room from this interview and go turn on the TV, there's something, well, and I'm sure they're talking about the Omicron variant or something like yeah. that, but there's something breaking. <laughs> when, when, when it's every, not breaking, yeah, yeah. they're saying it's breaking. When, when everything's breaking, when is anything breaking? breaking? Yeah. So, I, you know, I just don't know what is breaking news. Yeah, anymore. right, right. But, 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 but to the point you guys make, you know, the, the pressure to perform, you know, when we buy our ticket or turn on our tube to watch those playoff games, or to watch those finals or those Olympics. I want to be entertained and I don't care what's going on, whether that's selfish or not. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you don't have the right to go over four. <laughs> yeah, no, it is funny. You making more, yeah. you making more money than God. Yeah, doing something that I could never do. Right. But I'm sitting up here with or without a stick, a beverage of choice. Staying up to 11, 12 o'clock at night Eastern time, knowing I got to be at work by 8, 8.30 tomorrow. And then you're going to go 0 for 4 or or 1 for 5 with yeah. no no hits with runners in scoring position yeah. for three or four days in a row. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I mean, yeah. the dog doesn't get to eat your homework <laughs> yeah. when you're a world-class entertainer. Yeah. Entertain me. Yeah. You know, oh, my voice is a little raspy. I think I can't tell jokes tonight, or I think I can't sing. Yeah. You know what? It's Valentine's Day. I bought these tickets, mm-hmm. and I want the show that sounds just like my satellite or my CD when I was driving to the arena. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> no, and that that is exactly right. And and I find myself you know, like you're watching college athletics, and or Aaron, you're watching high school yeah. athletics, mm-hmm. and and then I find myself being critical, and I'm thinking I probably should back off the college athletics, right? <laughs> you know, but yeah, it it, it is, uh, you know, they get paid well, but it's just like every, you know. It, it's a hard job. Yeah. It's a harder, it, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do any of it. Well, I mean, I mean, the Iron Bowl was classic, right? Because everybody knew going in that Saban doesn't do well at Auburn. Nope. Um, even though he's pretty good almost anywhere else in the world. Yep. And somehow he gets Iron Bowl-itis when they're playing in Jordan-Hare. And for three and a half quarters – they couldn't put any points on. Couldn't <laughs> do anything. <laughs> I mean, and you know, you got to give. Nobody gave credit to his defense. Yeah. But the defense did everything they could to keep the game manageable yeah. at ten to nothing. You know. Then all of a sudden, you know that that tying touchdown pass, which for some reason CBS didn't make play of the day. I mean, that <laughs> touchdown pass that, that, that tied it up. You know. Yeah. I mean, that, that guy will be talking about that touchdown pass till he's 100 years yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. No. Because your, your number one receiver gets kicked out of the game for targeting. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're using, you know, twos and threes to get it done. Yep. And uh, don't try to make the argument, since you had already clinched the SEC championship game, well, we should be a two-loss yeah. playoff team if we beat Georgia. And I think that was going to cause all kinds of yep. firestorm, you know. So I don't know how to get it fixed for next weekend, but Oof. that was like an iron ball when they were playing on turf and Bo Jackson and them were playing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, that was Pat Dye versus Bear Bryant. You yeah. know, like uh, what was it? you know without the overtime? You know, it was thirteen to ten, yeah. nine to six. Yeah. You know, it was something. <laughs> it was. I tell you what, that 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 young man at quarterback is. Uh, Young is, uh, yeah. 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 Bryce Young. He is, uh, Ooh, can can I have a a quick sidebar? I hate the new overtime rule because it really screws the over under, uh, betting (laughs) now. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's almost like you're shooting free throws. Yeah. (laughs) Let's shoot free throws. to Decide the game. I I get, I get the injury thing. Yeah, I do too. But just keep running two point plays (laughs) until we get tired. Yeah. It's not really. I mean, that twenty-five yard. You got to make some real decisions. Yep. You know, it's kind of like the difference between American League and National League baseball. Amen. Because if you don't have a DH, you're constantly, you know, in your in your headspace about how you're going to manufacture a run. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, well, you know, it, it just two point conversions not not that exciting it was it, they made the most out of it yesterday yeah. but it's really not an exciting way to end the game so i am I'm, I'm american league i'm pro dh mark your national league you don't like the dh you have the distinct uh viewpoint of the the astros have been on both national and american yes. so where do you lie you can be the final deciding factor is mlb well, dh you know, or no I, dh when, when they when the Astros moved to the American League, I probably did shed a tear because I grew up a, a diehard National League fan. Hate the Dodgers to this day, and don't have that much love for the don't have that much love for the Braves either. To be perfectly honest, but the Dodgers, 
And I was like, why would we walk away from, you know, the Dodgers uh, and to, to accept the Yankees and the Red Sox? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. I'm you a- know, it's like, it's like the Lincoln Riley deal. Like, why should I go to LSU? <laughs> I can at least win the Big 12. I'm not, <laughs> so, so, so I'm going to be honest with you. I have even I'm a rider die Astros fan. Uh, I still wear my 2017 paraphernalia. I still think we needed to get one more just to get the taint <laughs> off 2017. Yeah. And for some reason, we keep getting there and they keep getting denied. But yeah. I'm good with you know softball, baseball in the American League. Well, don't don't go back <laughs> so and listen I'll to take a, a DH yeah. because don't, the game is going to be. I think they scored more points in one of those uh, Red Sox games than they did in the Iron Bowl yesterday. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. They did. I'm a Cardinals Last time fan. I checked, Red Sox had just hit another three. Yeah, they one. did. <laughs> so I'm I'm an old school Cardinals fan. I and so uh, the Astros and Cardinals in the 2000s was one of the great rivalries. There was some of those series with Berkman and and and. Uh, Bagwell and yeah. uh, man, that was in Biggio. Those were those were some fun games. Those were man. Well, don't go back and listen to old shows around the World Series time because I went in kind of hard and heavy on the Astros, and I might have alienated myself from a lot of the Houston fan base. <laughs> yeah, well, they made the playoffs and the Royals didn't. No, no, oh, I know, no, no. I know. Yeah, but that's because we have yeah, your old no, manager. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's but I, but I think Albert Pujols hit a home run in Houston. Yep. one year. Yeah, that is still is still in flight. <laughs> so my wife tells this story because I was watching that game I mean, in my living room. I've never seen a ball hit that far. Oh, that man, high, that hard. he crushed that ball. So, it was just like, oh my goodness. So my wife was sleeping upstairs when that home run was hit with the two dogs. And I just screamed <laughs> when he hit that home run. And they all came running downstairs. Are you okay? I'm just fine. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no. We lost I, that I'll, series, I'll never though. Be better. We lost. And what? rightfully so. You're no, the but, better you know, team. Like I say, you know, I, I, say, you know, one of my good buds before I left AARP was diehard Cardinals fan, too. And, and that is a strong. And nothing against the Royals fan base, but the, but the, the the Cardinals fan base is die hard, die hard. Yeah, you know they don't. They could lose every game. They could win every game. You're getting the same thing for 81 games a year if you go to to Bush Stadium. Yep. And uh, you know, again, I just didn't see the logic. That's probably why I don't own a ball team. Uh, <laughs> of like, why would I take the deal to move? Again, I was seeing Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah. We're gonna be a third or a fourth place team in a in a league we can't compete. Yeah, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but you and, competed. Uh, somehow we keep ruining the party for the Red Sox and the Yankees. And I'm, okay with <laughs> I'm not. I don't know what that. we're doing to do it, but yeah. somehow we keep. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> well, let's let's go back to you know the main uh, topic. So I want to talk about something that um, was uh, posted on the uh, on the a- APA Twitter and something that you reshared. It's the five uh, myth and facts uh, about depression. And I'll just run through the five myths here and you can uh, pick out a few and just and, and talk about them. So myth one, uh, depression will not affect me. 
Myth two, depression and sadness are the same and people can just snap out of it. Myth three, people's genetic dictate whether they develop depression. Myth four, people with depression cannot work in demanding or stressful jobs. And number five, those impacted by depression do not recover. Um, Out of those five, touch on a few that stand out to you and just give us the facts of what is actually true. So uh, let's start with the number one. Uh, Depression uh, can't or won't affect me. Uh, That is a very common uh, misconception or misunderstanding about uh, a diagnosis of depression. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, stress is just a part of life. And then stress is on a continuum that turns into anxiety sometimes for uh, factors that are within your control, many times for factors that are beyond your control, but they continue to dictate inactions or actions on your part. And then ultimately chronic depression where you're really in a mental or behavioral ditch that you cannot get out of by yourself. And so You know, it could affect anybody. I mean, there are a lot of different things uh, that cause depression. You know, one of the ones that is most common are traumatic events like we've talked about today. Uh, But then you have these adverse childhood experiences, the the so-called flowers in the attic that kind of just stay with you. And, you know, what you think is coping really does have triggers, and that something that might seem totally benign or innocuous to you or me could set somebody else off because of something that's buried deep that happened, again, a major traumatic event yesterday or a childhood event that happened 20 or 30 years ago, but you still have uh, the trauma. Um, In terms of uh, uh, genetics, you know, I can tell you that... uh, you know, there are some psychological conditions that might have something to do with genetics, but not depression. The reality of it is, uh, again, it is the leading cause of disability uh, in the United States. And uh, again, it, it starts on a continuum. You don't just wake up tomorrow necessarily depressed. It is a building block type of condition. But if you are chronically depressed, there are treatments for it, but you've got to accept that you need some some support, some help uh, in order to work your way through it. Uh, and then uh, what I would tell you about uh, high stress, high impact jobs, I think the converse is actually true, that a lot of times what you find is that some people who are most uh, chronically depressed are really working in some, bless you, high-impact, highly stressful occupations, the good news for them is when they're on in the moment, they're able to separate whatever else is happening uh, from the rest of their life. It's when the lights go down, when the curtain closes, when the last pitch is, 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 is struck out, you know, like, Now they have to go back and deal with real life. And that's where they're struggling. But if you put them in the arena behind the desk 
you know, at the free throw line, you know, on the concert stage, um, behind the microphone. When they're on, they're on. It's when the light goes off that everything seems to unravel. So um, the good news, like I said, is that uh, it is treatable, but it's not treatable just by turning off all the lights and closing, cutting off all the devices, and I'm just going to get a good night's sleep tonight. And when I wake up tomorrow, my worldview is going to feel a lot different. Uh, One of the things that makes depression so significant is that depression can lead to absenteeism in the workplace. Absenteeism in the workplace, which is classically defined as unapproved or unscheduled absences or serial tardiness from work, is a 400 to 500 billion dollar problem per year in the United States. Wow. That kind of lost productivity, 400 billion to 500 billion. And on the world stage, depression and anxiety cost over $1 trillion a year in economic output. So it is that serious and we do need to take it that seriously and we can't talk about it enough. So, that wow, I'm I'm flabbergasted by the numbers. I shouldn't be because I mean, yeah, I've, n- I've never put a a monetary value to no to that before. It makes sense. I mean, it definitely makes sense. Um, um, that's it's just that's that's a it's it's a number as as they say. It's, yeah, it's, it's a staggering it's, number. It's a staggering number. So somebody's struggling right now, um, uh, and and they're going through. Um, and so I, I guess one of the, you know, I obviously looked it up on my website and I was kind of fortunate to find a guy that I trusted. Right. But, um, you know, how, how does somebody, so first of all, how does somebody identify they need help? Um, is one of the questions that I, I always had, you know, cause to me it was, I mean, it was pretty clear that I needed help, but yeah. I mean, I don't know that everybody was that it's that clear, but um, so how does somebody, I mean, is there, you know, how do people reach out and, uh, and, and how do people identify that it's, it's time? So I think the uh, example that you provided, which is your lived experience is the, is the best one that you do have to start with somebody you trust and it doesn't have to be <clears throat> a licensed professional, but it, it does have to be somebody you can keep it real with. Right. Or be open with, as I like to say, or has been suggested tonight, you can be vulnerable. And, you know, like you could prepare for anything else, a Thanksgiving meal, a vacation, uh, laying out your favorite sticks. Let's put a plan together to find out who are the people who know a little bit more about this situation than we do. And make an activity out of it where you, you have a partner You know, this whole notion of accountability partners, um, that somebody who can just kind of be there with you and for you and stand by you uh, while you work your way through talking to somebody. In some communities, that's going to be a person in the faith community, right? That's not going to work for everybody else. You know, in other communities, uh, it's going to be barbers and beauticians, believe it or not. Yep. probably need some some education and training in 
some kind of therapy because they're providing that kind of service. And truth be told, and, and again, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, where my, my journey takes me. But I even would say, you know, a cigar shop mm-hmm. could be a place yeah. where, you know, even though the uh, primary care physician may not love the avocation, <laughs> the reality of it is I bet if he runs my blood pressure an hour after I leave your shop, yeah. I bet my blood pressure is lower than it was when I walked in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've seen that before. Like so, cigars make you yeah, slow yeah, down, yeah. and yeah. So I think we got to start with trust. That's everything, and then we got to figure out, uh, you know, because a lot of again we got a challenge with insurance, even for those people who have insurance, yeah. where everything is not covered. So then the question is, what kind of uh, what kind of support system are you going to be looking for, right? So um, there are all kinds of different therapies and therapists, but there are bad guys in mental health as well. So you do have to be careful about who you decide to trust because some people are in it for the buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these apps are not trustworthy. I'm not saying they're all untrustworthy, but uh, you know, tele, telemedicine is, is the thing now because of the pandemic is going to be the thing for the foreseeable future. Uh, So the thought that you could use your tablet or your handheld for something other than looking up information, you know, maybe that's something we got to get into, you know, and, uh, but those are, you got to find that trust partner, whoever he, she, or they might be and, and work it out together. And it may not be that you're seeking out that trust partner to bear your, ills or bear your soul. You're just saying, I need somebody to walk this journey with me while we figure out who can give me some more help. Yeah. Well said. Well, to, to, to touch on two notes that I was writing down while you were talking, when you said the word accountability, that was actually the word I was writing down at the same time. And Mark, you saw me writing it down. I did. And then another one I have was, I, I'd say the one good thing that the pandemic has created is, you know, because of the discord, the virtual lounge, it has created that is created the opportunity for us to meet Steven and Nigel and all those other people, but it's also created the opportunity to have, you know, the telehealth, you, it's almost like you can be a little bit more comfortable, a little more easy to talk to somebody when they're not sitting directly in front of you and you have a screen between you two. Um, better help is right. something that I've used before. Um, it, it just makes it a little easier, um, because that your, your wall is taken down, but you, you kind of have like a pseudo wall in front of you. Um, so I think the telehealth is definitely something that has make it is going to be something more accessible for, you know, the many people out there that, that deal with this uh, throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, I don't think Americans were built for hibernation. It's just not who we are, but I think it, this pandemic has slowed us down and made us redefine what a community looks like yep. and how we see ourselves as a part of and participate in community. And what that, you know, that ends up being, you know, less about scalable community, mm-hmm. the big stadium, and more about uh, more discrete settings with fewer people spaced out where you can really bond. Like, I think that's what 
hopefully that will follow us out of this prolonged season of grief. But uh, we at least know we could do it if we had to do it. Well, I, Jared, I, I saw a couple times in person, but then they shut the office down because um, that's mm-hmm. just the way it worked. And so we've done virtual since. Um, obviously, at some point, we'll probably go back to in person because insurance is a part of this, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I'm, yeah. and, and this is my little insurance diatribe. And I think you all know that I work on the analytics side of an insurance company. I don't actually work for the insurance insurance company. So I have a little insight in how to, to, you know, to work the insurance part mm-hmm. of it, but it's really complicated. And one of the things that I'd like to see happen in the world is that to become a lot easier, right? Because that's one of my biggest frustrations um, is because um, I can make it work because I know how to make it work, but I think a lot of people don't. And so that's frustrating because I had to make like multiple calls to mm-hmm. make things work. And I had to, my PCP didn't make a referral right and, and didn't want to make a referral. And I had to insist and do all those things that I knew I could do. Right. Um, and so, you know, I had to open doors like myself because I knew yeah, and see, I, need, you, I needed yeah. help. Right. You see, that's where you get to that whole, you know, those obstacles, you know, because yep. if you can't get the referral, the doors won't open. So your yep. accessibility is reduced, yep. even though the support is available. Yep. Right. And, uh, you know, I, you know, one of the things I'm going to be doing, you know, I'm, I'm into week 10 now of this, this APA foundation gig is working in particular with pediatricians because, given that the onset of mental health challenges starts so young, sometimes as young as six, but usually by, by nine or 10, we're in it. Yeah. But they're not making referrals a lot of times either. Right. Um, so how do we create a, a system or a paradigm or a formula where there is a, a, a little more uniformity in, when does the doctor in Arkansas pediatrician say, I need to make a mental health referral versus the pediatrician in Washington, DC. Yep. Or in or in Los Angeles, California. You know, like how you know, right now there is something data driven about it, but a lot of it is at least the appearance of rule of thumb, right? I just, you know, this is deeper water than I thought it was going to be. I probably should make a referral. Because what they'll tell you a lot of times in the pediatrician community you know, the brain is still forming. You got puberty and all these pre-puberty and all these things. So even though it looks like it's a problem, if you don't have some real trauma in the home, I don't know that you need a referral because, quote unquote, they might grow out of it as they mature. Right. And and again, we never really know what until you turn Dateline on right. uh, or 60 Minutes. You don't really ever know what's happening at home. Right. So by all accounts, everything looks like leave it to Beaver's house. Yeah. Right. Yeah, nobody ever. We don't know why Eddie Haskell is the way Eddie Haskell is. Right. You know, maybe Eddie is just misunderstood. <laughs> right. But <laughs> Or maybe he's given everybody the business because it's the one time when he's not at home where he can do whatever he wants. Right. Where he's on, where he's on top instead of 
taking it, right? Correct. Instead of being on the bottom. Exactly right. Yep. Yep. And I mean, the funny part is a lot of those data points, um, and there's two parts to that. And the first is um, understanding and training people how to collect them correctly, right? So they're being recorded consistently so that data analytics will work, but also getting people to honestly answer those questions is the part you're referring. So part of it is training the doctor, but part of that is also getting people to honestly answer, right? So even if the doctor right. asks the question the right way, knows what to look for, people are are good at not answering, right? Oh, yeah. No, masking is, you know, uh, it is an acquired skill set yep. that can complicate even the best support system. Yep, exactly. That's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot, you know the, those are the formative years where if you, if you get somebody help that, that, like you were talking about earlier, when 14, 34, 54, you know, those, those, you know, teaching, teaching somebody coping skills or <clears throat> techniques or ability to deal with anxiety or stress or, or, or whatever, the, you know, the, the self-talk stuff, the earlier you teach somebody those skills, um, and, and give them the, those tools, um, it's a, it's a lifetime of value. Right. And yes. so that, that, that really isn't, um, that's super important. I had to just Google who Eddie Haskell was. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. We were having an old no, guy. I'm moment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Eddie Haskell was known for anything, he was giving somebody the business. Yeah, he was. <laughs> you really never seen leave it to beaver. Can you tell that I'm the young one of the show? Yeah, I can't. Apparently yeah. at this moment we can't. He was the uh, he was the neighbor who was always picking on. Uh... Well, but but you know it, it's interesting because if you if you Google Eddie Haskell effect, you will find that some behavioral scientists actually have diagnosed the TV character Eddie Haskell <laughs> or Eddie Haskell syndrome, Eddie Haskell effect, which is basically you smile with superiors. And you uh, treat everybody else in a different way. So it's funny. The very first thing uh, underneath this is what is the Eddie Haskell syndrome? So wow, See? for people who yeah, reserve one personality for superiors and another for underlings, huh? There you go. Wow, it is real. Um, and again, I don't think that's the message they were trying to teach in the, <laughs> no. in the show. But you know, <clears throat> everybody knew an Eddie Haskell. Yep. Uh, even the people who probably were Eddie Haskell wouldn't acknowledge that they were Eddie Haskell. No, but that kind of behavior. It, the good news is it's on YouTube. If you never really watched one, oh, they're great. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've watched the whole show. If it's not on Netflix or Prime, I know it's on YouTube. So the, yeah. what, what's the uh, Nick at Night or is the the what's the yeah. what's the uh, the older channel? I'm really showing my yeah. age now. Yeah, there you are. So what, um, as we're winding down, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is prevalent to this conversation? Well, you know, the one thing I would ask folks to do, plainly our website is out there, apafdn.org. But, the, but a place where I think you can find a treasure trove of information is the mentalhealthcoalition.org website. 
because you're going to have information from, you know, over 30 leading organizations in mental and behavioral health that suits just about every walk of life. So if your challenges are around depression, there's going to be stuff up there. You know, we, uh, we, we host uh, in, in our foundation the National Center for Workplace Mental Health. And when people talk about burnout and things like that, we've uploaded some resources on there. But I'm not just touting my organization. I'm touting the coalition writ large. Cool. Because if it's the one thing we've agreed as, as coalition members is that none of us can do it alone or should attempt to do because it is an age old challenge of, of mental and, and behavioral health and, and stigma. But uh, if there's something up there that helps one person, then it's all worth it to me. So I would tell people it's the mentalhealthcoalition.org. We're all up there. Uh, people can find it. Uh, and that, uh, you know, be okay learning about mental and behavioral health, including substance use disorders, because the more okay we get, the more awareness we will have, the more destigmatization we will have, ultimately, the more action people will be comfortable taking. All right. That's awesome. awesome. We'll post both of those links in the show notes uh, and with the, with the show. Um, that's, that's great. Um, <clears throat> I have done, uh, when I was going initially through this, there was, there's a ton of stuff out there. And like you pointed out, some of it good. I, I wish I had had this link back then. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, burnout is one of those things we didn't talk about tonight, but it's one of those things that there are, that's, that's a, that's a big one. And, and having videos out there to talk about that. I know a lot of people are going through that right now. Um, and so that, that sounds like a really good topic for people to go and check out. Um, but uh, when you do you know, the, uh, when you do something North of one fifty in, uh, 2022, Let's let's come back together and just do a show on cigars. I mean, since we'll be talking about a good burn anyway, right? right exactly. Let's, let's, be, let's, be, let's do good burns and burnout. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, on the other side of twenty twenty two, because I, I might have some good stuff for you. That'd be awesome. And uh, I think your audience might like it. I think Again, that's it doesn't a great have idea. to be anytime soon, but it's on my list. Uh, and you guys don't need to work. You can work through Stephen if you want to, but now we've made a connection. Yep, 100%. So you've, you've got my work email. You feel free to come to me. Cool. We'll figure out how to get it done. That, well, burnout would be a great topic. Yeah. It's one of those topics I know it's really through the pandemic, but also even before the pandemic. Well, I think it, that would be awesome. And especially now in the whole you know hubbub of we're in the holiday season and just – just just piling on stuff on yeah. top of other stuff on top of other stuff it's just i can definitely yeah. see how we can, we can easily make that a whole show yeah no i'd, I'd love to talk about that um if you nothing know, else march for madness burnout show could be interesting <laughs> but you know you guys know what you gotta do you know what you gotta do yeah uh but uh yeah but that could be interesting in march april yep no i'm definitely you know, in, i'm definitely down for show. that because we're gonna be into the year at that point we're gonna know where we yeah we got a lot of grandiose plans for the first part of the year. That'd be awesome. And nobody knows whether any of them are going to happen. Um, but 
people are going to be moving around for sure. No, I think that's a, a fantastic idea. Uh, that's one of my particular topics. I, um, <clears throat> is um, it's that's a big. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So, so, um, so do you do you want to talk about what uh, what you're doing with the ash holes and with Stephen? Oh, uh, sure. I mean, basically, uh, you know, I'm one of uh, the newest members of the NASA club, uh, even though. Uh, I'm not a uh, what you might call a home member um, because I'm one of the distance members of, uh, of, of, of the club that Stephen leads. Uh, but one of the things that we're working on right now is trying to figure out how to uh, position the club to designate as one of its core priorities outside camaraderie and a good stick, obviously, um, bringing mental health into the main of that ash hole club. And uh, it seems like there's a lot of interest in doing it, uh, a really a ground up approach versus some kind of forced mm-hmm. uh, effort. And, uh, you know, Stephen reached out to me, uh, which I think was the greatest sign because it wasn't like I was knocking on doors saying, hey, you need to take up this mantle, you need to take up this cause. And they were looking for something to add some, uh, they had a good protein in a cigar, right? They were looking for some, some sides and, uh, they wanted to do something worthwhile. Uh, and again, not excluding anybody, but men and mental health is something that resonated with the club. And so, uh, it's a privilege to be able to work with them from the ground up trying to put something together. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing where that goes and, 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 and just seeing that journey, uh, you know, grow from the very beginning. Yeah, that's an amazing idea. I, I think the Ashles is a great, great group, um, very good community, and I think that's a great idea. I think that's a, it's a good idea to uh, uh, like the ground-up approach. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, the, you know, the, it, it is a good group. And uh, because it's a nationwide group that's mm-hmm. getting bigger, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they can go. You know, it, 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 I haven't done some big smokes, you know. Big smoke, could you imagine big smoke if you added a mental health component that wasn't preaching to it? Yeah, yeah. Let, let's get behind the, the, the experience of a good smoke, you know, and right. – uh, you're in a venue where, you know, the world technically is your oyster. But, uh, you know, I, I think this is a community where because it, it, it stands on its own and it is fiercely independent, it is the kind of group that could really make some, even though they'd be a strange bedfellow to a health initiative. Mm-hmm. They're one of the few, I believe, who could really make some hay because, truth be told, cigar smokers going to smoke whether you tell us they should smoke or not. Yeah. <laughs> we all have a little <laughs> bit of stubbornness. We're going to find – yeah, right. And I think, you know, that's the thing that makes a movement lasting for social change. You know, you can't be a, a shrinking violet that somebody kind of frowns at you and you and you just wilt. Yeah. Right? You're like, you know what? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Yep. 
And I think there's a lot of different communities represented in those Ashholes groups where it'll be a nice mix where you could have a pretty broad impact, right? Because the thing about the Ashholes is they come from a lot of different spots, right? It's uh, so yeah, that, they really do, and that, a lot of different, you know, geographic, political, yep, uh, you know, just different walks of life, yep. you know, just but but have a commonality and united around, you know, the love of a good stick, and what that means to their lives. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on and taking time out. This was amazing. This was uh, what I hoped and more. So uh, thank you for coming on, uh, Raul. This was great information. It was personally uh, exceptionally enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time. So, Well, and and there will be one. um, But let me tell you, and I hope it doesn't sound false, but not only am I grateful to you for what you've done and what you're doing, I'm actually proud of you. Because it's only men having these kind of conversations that's going to get us there. And being willing, again, whether we call it open, vulnerable, real. um, If we don't come out of the shadows, we'll get locked in the shadows. Yeah. Amen. No, it's, uh, thank you. Uh, But it, it does have, it does take us, acknowledging it right we we have to acknowledge it so nope thank you i appreciate that it is uh it's not always easy but uh it's important right so so it's worthwhile and again you know whenever we've done our shows talking about our past experiences we've done a few um people have reached out to us through instagram or whatever again if you you know our channel is always open you know don't yep. hesitate to, yep. to write an email or a, a, a DM. You know, we see it. Um, you know, our, our line is always open. And yep. we're always, you, you, you got two people here who have needed uh, some ears before and will be the ears now if, if, if you need them. Yep. Amen. Well, and I would say quickly as you're closing, if, if they can't reach you, uh, call a national lifeline at 800-273. 8255. That's 800-273-8255. It's okay not to be okay, but it's also okay to reach out for some help if you need it. That's a a number that's near and dear to my heart. Every March 26th, I post that with a little little story and thing because I've had to call that number before on that day. So, So, yep. Uh, That is uh, that exactly that's a great way to close so so raw appreciate it so much thanks thanks for uh, everything you're doing and in the community and just in general thanks for everything great work you've you've earned that cigar now (laughs) (laughs) and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to steven i'm gonna drive home tonight and steven and i are gonna hook you up with some casa cubas oh wonderful thank you so much (laughs) no problem all right we will talk to everybody next week be the good later